What's up, y'all? This is Abby and Mike, the podcast, and we're just going to jump right into it. Abby, what's happening, bro? Not a whole lot, man. Just living that good life like T-Pain and Kanye. Let's get it, bro. Let's get it. <laughs> Let's get it, man. And Milwaukee Bucks, they got it. After a long, long playoff, Milwaukee, they came through at the end in game six. Giannis Antetokounmpo. See, that's why I like saying his name like that. But I can't, I ain't even going front with y'all. I can't pronounce his last name. I you barely, and everybody else under the sun, bro. So I, don't even I, feel bad. I barely um, studied it. Like, I called him Giannis. But anyway, the Bama had a 50 piece for a finals clinching W, y'all. 50 points, 14 rebounds, five blocks. And guess what? 17 and 19 from free throw, y'all. 17 of 19, Giannis. Eddie, what's up? <laughs> Not big congratulations to the Bucks of Milwaukee, as Alice Cooper would say it, which is Algonquin for the good land. <laughs> That's for my Wayne's World fans out there. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Anyway, yeah, Giannis with the 50 piece. Bro, let's real quick, let's just go over at 26 years old. All right, let's go over Giannis's resume right now. Just real quick, real quick. Mm-hmm. Most improved player, five-time All-Star, All-Star Game MVP, three-time All-Defensive First Team, Defensive Player of the Year, three-time All-NBA First Team, two-time NBA MVP, NBA champ, Finals MVP. He's 26 years old, people. Congrats. The accolades, the accolades that you ran down. The defensive player of the year, all-star MVP, finals MVP, regular season MVP. Only one other person has done that, and that's Michael Jordan. Michael Jeffrey. That man is on exclusive company right there. Not even LeBron can say that he did that because I think he's missing a defensive player of the year award. He is. Pretty much everybody that gets compared to MJ is going to be missing that minus Giannis or, you know, others to come that we don't know about that, you know, for obvious reasons. So, he, again, he reset the standard. He reset the standard. Now you're going to see people trying to chase those, chase that. Let's call it the, um, let's call it the Grand Slam, the NBA Grand Slam. Why not? You're going to have people chasing that now and trying to capture the, the Jordan Slam. I mean, that could potentially be great for the league because that means you're going to have a lot more guys playing defense, mm-hmm. potentially meaning the games are more competitive, they're closer. So hopefully that's a big positive for them. But again, big props to Giannis. A lot of people want to talk about uh, the fact that he didn't do the super team thing and people say that he was kind of throwing shade at LeBron and KD during his press conference. I don't totally buy that. I, I, I'm not saying he wasn't. But I don't think that was his his motivation, his modus operandi, right? He just won a title. He's a young kid. That's what he's been working for. And the fact that he pretty much almost bent his leg in the other direction before the final started. And then, like Superman, comes out the phone booth, just starts dropping all times, all types of statistical jewels. You know what I mean? So good for him. I think he just was trying to like, you know, give himself credit because I was talking with somebody on the internet earlier today on one of the uh, forums we like to, to chat on, and 
people were kind of taking a shot at KD because he didn't stay with OKC. He left for the Warriors, then he left for the Nets. OKC had Westbrook and Harden look like a team if they mm-hmm. all stayed together. Look, man, being a professional athlete is difficult. I realize that's like a big statement. Everybody, oh, you make money and you travel and you get all the – yeah, there's lots of perks. There's also a lot of pressure. Do you know how many people expect Kevin Durant to just like throw some shoes on and drop 50 to 100 points a game? And, I mean, the man is tall. He's ridiculous. He's really good. But I don't, I don't like that he did the super team thing. But, I, you know, being a reasonable human being, I understand it. It ain't easy to win in the league. <laughs> and why wouldn't you want to go play with other people who are on your par uh, of skill and talent, meaning they probably work as hard as you, they're probably going to appreciate what you do more, mm-hmm. and, again, winning and money. That's all these young young kids ever talk about. So I don't know why they're slandering the man. But we're but, not talking about KD right now. Yeah, but wow. quick note about that though. I, I'm starting to understand why people are so hot about KD joining the Warriors. It's not really about him creating the super team. They're more pissed that he went to the Warriors, the team that they almost just beat. True. They were saying like, if you stayed with OKC, you would have beat them. And I'm telling people. Y'all have no idea how jacked up OKC was. Like, yeah. it, it was bad. And who knows if he would have went back to OKC and won the title. But I think if he went to any other team but Warriors, we wouldn't have this conversation. But we are going to have a conversation about Chris Middleton because he's the perfect Robin. He understands his position. He knows Greek's the star. We know he knows that Greek isn't as skillful as him on the offensive end, but he understands that Greek is the most impactful basketball player that we've seen in a long time. Like his player efficiency rate in the last few years for over the se- over the course of a season, astronomical. He has the number one PER regular season of all time as of now. So the dude is ugly. It ain't pretty, but. That man has an impact. He gives buckets. And I have to, like, respect, um, give respect to Middleton for understanding all that and, you know, still continuing the ball out. They don't win the title without his clutch offensive buckets. I totally agree. I just find it so ironic and funny that you're now saying Middleton is Robin. And I don't mean you are now saying, like, you're saying that. But I think it, it had to be after game five where Middleton and Giannis both put up monster numbers. I think each mm-hmm. one of four or something like that. And people – and, you know, Middleton was taking all those shots. I think it was the, the game where he took like 33 shots, but he mm-hmm. scored a bunch of points, right? And everybody's like, oh, Giannis is really robbing and it's all about Middleton, <laughs> <laughs> which I find so funny because if you really think about it, like I understand there's some of those Lakers teams with Kobe or or, you know – before Shaq left too, where you could argue like, you know, uh, especially with the Bulls where it's MJ's show, I I get all that. But basketball is such a team game. And even though you have a a, a Kobe, a LeBron, a KD, a Jordan, a whoever that looks good scoring the ball, people got to play defense. People got to rebound. People got to set screens. They got to pass the ball. They got to do all those things, not just do them, but do them the right way and do them at a certain time know what they're doing. Like, all of those things have to happen for these superstars to look good. I, I don't doubt that those guys all work hard and are a diamond in the rough – not diamond in the rough, but, like, just a, a once-in-a-lifetime player. 
but you, you can't do that whole thing where like it's this guy and the rest of the team. That's just not fair. It really isn't. But let's get back to Giannis real quick because I saw a lot of cats doing this and they're not wrong, but it just kind of annoys me because it seems to be picky where people want to say like, oh, you know, if Giannis's offensive game was a Madden playbook, it would be halfback dive every play. <laughs> and you know what? So what if it is? Mm-hmm. If it's that, if it's that bland and that hard, that like whatever, stop it. That Joker is going to the hole. And if anything, I like it because you knew what was coming. You knew he was going to drive, and he did it anyway. And what I saw was him develop a nice little spin move off of that drive him kind of develop not quite that Jordan and Kobe like fake the spin and then shoot the jumper, but he did kind of start to develop like a little fallback, you know, maybe like five, 10 feet jumper. And he's got to kind of shoot it low because his hands and his arms and everything is so long, but don't let that Joker develop some post moves and, and keep that jumper going. Right. Cause y'all, he's y'all only, don't wish that he would have back dive every time. He's only 26. And I'm like, exactly. If this dude can develop his offensive game, it, you you know he loves the game. That's that's obvious now. Absolutely, and that's why I respect the Bama so much because this dude is over in Greece, not typically known for basketball players, and like you can tell it's infectious because his brothers they're in the NBA too. And let's be honest, like, they're not that skillful. <laughs> like, I don't know why these babbles are in the NBA, to be honest with you. But. Exactly why they're in the NBA. Same thing. brother was in the, uh, Major League Baseball. <laughs> but I think that the fact that Giannis was, you know, working so hard, that kind of, like, motivated them to be better than they probably should have been. Like, if it weren't for Giannis, Real talk, they probably won't be in the league, and it's not because of their name, but more because of his impact on their ability. I mean, when they're training or whatever, I feel like. Um, but Jay, uh, I was about to call that man um, Jay Rue again, and I don't even have his name in front of me. <laughs> but Drew Holiday, man, so so clutch when they made that trade, when they picked him up, it's a big trade. I felt like I didn't think they would win the title. But I felt like it was such a tremendous upgrade, and it paid off. Like, they, he came through time after time, series after series. They don't get past Brooklyn without him. They definitely don't get past Atlanta without him. And even though he had a low-key finals, when, it need, when the play needed to be made, more often than that, he was the one either getting that clutch still or getting that – um, unbelievable rebound or in that jumper that was a dagger. I have yep. to shout him out. Like I really, really think that he was the spark plug that they needed to get over the top. They don't win the title if they still have Blessel at PG. I agree. So two things to that. Number one, in regards to Giannis and how hard he works and things like that. So, and I think all NBA teams try to do this, but you have to know your identity, right? And Budenholzer, I think I said his name right, is a Popovich descendant. He's a Popovich product. So what are we doing? We're playing tough defense first and foremost. So when you get your superstar like Giannis, who, to be quite frank, is built to be an elite defender. You have a guy that can move around like a perimeter player 
with a center's body, let's be real, that like anybody else with his body type would probably be playing center, maybe power forward. But point is, he bought into the defensive side, and he only got better. That's why he won most improved player. That's why he won defensive player. And the rest of that team is the same way. Even guys like Connaughton are just sneaky, just getting in there, mixing it up. And the holiday trade, it wasn't like it was a big trade because it was the perfect match, if you ask me. I remember when Drew Holiday, I want to say the Sixers, I think, drafted him, and he would kind of wow you from time to time offensively, but he wasn't consistent. And as much as I try to pay attention to sports, I can't watch everything. And I used to wonder, why is there all this hype around this guy? Then I started watching more. The guy is really solid defensively. Mm-hmm. But just re- like he'll get you those steals. And he's a willing passer, which is so refreshing. You know, like I, I get it. If you're a Kobe or a Carmelo and you're good at scoring, score. Score the ball. Being a willing passer can actually help your offense too because now the, the team doesn't know whether you're going to pass or shoot, right? But they already had Middleton. They already had Giannis. So now all you need is Drew Holiday to come in, maybe get you 10 to 15 points, some nights a little more if somebody's having an off night, but play solid D, rebound, pass the ball, and we're going to be all right. So I think, like I said about Giannis, everything, hard worker, good for him. It's perfect when your superstar buys into the system you want. Then to get that final piece like a Drew Holiday, who I think, honestly, if they keep that team together the way they kept everybody else before they added Holiday, I think if they t- keep that team together, they're only going to get better because they're going to learn to play off of each other better. I see Holiday as somebody who maybe is going to actually improve his offensive game, especially his three-point shooting. It's a scary-looking team, man. Real scary. And that's not – we haven't even talked about the bench. Teague? Teague is highly underrated. I could not stand him in Atlanta. I thought he kind of took some cheap shots on John Wall from time to time. But overall, that man has got handles. He's tough, and he's got experience. You got Bobby Portis and Lopez. I think Lopez is a starter, but still. You got those type of guys coming off your bench. That's a solid team, man. That's a solid team. Yeah, the title, well, the path to the title in the East – probably goes through Milwaukee and Brooklyn for the next season or two. Yep. Especially if Brooklyn keeps their three together and they're healthy. Um, I saw somebody put a power rankings out, still have Brooklyn number one. Vegas released the odds for the 2022 finals. Um, Brooklyn's favorites. So, yeah, and we all know, (laughs) we all know they – even without Kyrie and a banged up Harvin, they were a toe away from being eliminated by the Brooklyn Nets. But I was say, did that ranking have an asterisk that says number one if KD's foot is behind the line? Right. So we, yeah, it, it's going to be fun. The NBA is back. I feel like a lot of people didn't like how it used to go. They hated the line and the complaining, but. It's on now. LeBron is starting to get older. Um, the Nets, they aren't they won't last forever. Pretty soon. Um, yeah, the talent level is gonna even out and we'll get finals like Milwaukee and Phoenix um every now and then more often even. Yeah, so real quick before we move on, you, you kinda like just echoed what I was already saying. So the Nets aren't going to last. You know why they're not going to last? They're a good team. They're fun to watch. 
but the Nets give up almost as many points as they score. It, it comes right back to that very simple adage, defense wins championships. You know? But uh, let's, let's keep it moving, man. We, we got some big news here in D.C. So over the weekend, the Wizards, they finally fire, uh, fired, hired Wes Unsell Jr. to a four-year deal. So he'll be here for a presidential term. Um, I like that. He wasn't our first choice, obviously. A lot of people wanted to conceal. I thought, um, what's her name? I forgot the name now. Becky Hammond? Yeah, Becky Hammond. I kind of sliced her up. Um, yeah, we thought they, that, like somebody like them would come here. I don't think either of them hasn't even been hired yet. So, yeah. He's nice. He's coming from the Nuggets, for those that don't know. He's coming over from the Nuggets, and he was their defensive coordinator. The Nuggets had some good defense, and he was very instrumental in helping them build that depth that they have. They didn't go out and sign these players. They groomed them from the from the start, and that just it excites me, bro. Yeah. So from 2018 until 2021, Denver ranked among the top six in defensive efficiency. So mm. credit to there. And like you said, he was he was uh, credited with the development of Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. That's the three best players they got on their team. Mm-hmm. So if if they're giving him that kind of credit, uh, you know. I kind of felt like he was going to be our hire once his name was thrown in the hat. Right. And, and I don't want to seem like I have a problem with it, but I've, I've expressed this before, maybe not quite as much on the show, but I have this sort of theory that Ted Leonsis only wants to hire like younger guys. I don't know if this is some mission of his that he wants to discover the next, um, I don't know that this would work because he was already solid in college, but you know, like Brad Stevens, the way he like kind of came out of nowhere with Butler was pretty solid for Boston. So much to the point now that they want to get rid of Ainge, replace Ainge with Stevens, and then Stevens will help them find the next coach if they haven't already. So I, I feel like Leonsis is on that kind of tip where he either that, or it has something to do with not having to pay these guys a lot of money because I saw it so much with the Capitals, but I digress. So the thing I like is right away, we know who Wes Unsell Jr. is because of his dad, right? But this isn't one of those uh, nepotism type of hires. So he actually, I I looked it up, your man went to um, John Hopkins for college. And so right out of college, he he didn't get drafted in the NBA either, surprisingly. Um, He went, right to the NBA as like a personnel scout for his dad, who was the general manager. And it was supposed to be, be just like a one-time thing. And then he was going to go to graduate school or something like that. And then out of nowhere, you know, he, he likes it, has some success, goes to like, I think eight or nine years before he moved up to uh, an assistant coaching job. And actually during that time, we were in the top 10 uh, in offense from 2004 to 2007 with him as an assistant coach. So there's that. Then you got some experience with the Warriors, then some experience with the Magic. And I realize the Magic doesn't like look great on your resume, but here's what I'll say. That Magic team was actually pretty damn good. I just don't think they had the right people to work with those guys. But when you think of like Aaron Gordon and Fultz, um, 
I can't really. The other guy is like Fournier or something like that. Yeah, Fournier, Vucevic. Yeah, exactly. They had a handful of talent on there. I just, I don't think they had the right people in the front office or coaching. Um, so I, I don't want to knock him for that, especially because he wasn't the head coach when Orlando uh, during those times. And then, as you mentioned, the Denver Nuggets. So now we hire him. Hopefully, we can you know continue our offensive success because we we were already pretty solid offensively. So. It'll definitely be interesting to see. I do think, however, because of his name, there's going to be more pressure. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Luckily, the – Like John Thompson's kids, if one of his kids came to coach for us. Right. You know what I mean? Because of the name and the history locally, it's, right away. I think his father's run is so far removed, though, it wouldn't be True. as intense – because when JT3 got hired at Georgetown, we were still, what, within 20 years or maybe less than that. Um, That's a fair point. With uh, Big John, rest in peace, yep. before right. he left um, Georgetown. Yeah. But I'll say this about Ansel Jr. I'm happy that in his interview process and at his press conference, he kept mentioning Optia. Like that, that kind of excites me because he gets it. Like everybody else besides Scott Brooks, he got it. Like you had to throw a jab at Scott Brooks in there. Oh yeah, I destroyed. I, we destroyed them on um, Wizards the Classified. Shout out to Ellie and Shot. Um, subscribe to that too, y'all. But we, yeah, we we crushed dude. But yeah, it, I'm excited again. Like I feel like I can be happy with the Wizards knowing that we got some people in the place now that know what the heck they're doing. Tommy Shepard, again, not our first choice, but how can you not say that the man has a passing grade as a GM right now? Sure, um, the roster could have been a, a little better built, but like I said, the way Brooks was using some of the players, it didn't matter anyway. So shout out to him. I hope Wes Unsell does well. Um, <clears throat> it's wild that we haven't mentioned Westbrook and Bill yet, but it it, it kind of it's kind of based on the fact that we know what they can do. So I'm just like I said, I'm I'm excited. I'm hoping that he comes in and do something. As far as playoff season or whatever, that happens the way it's going to happen. Yeah, I, let's. Let's just focus on him coming in, establishing the culture he wants and things like that. And uh, hopefully, you know, more people like yourself get excited about this. So we'll see, you know. But I, I'm I'm kind of wanting to maybe at the very least give him like maybe two years before I start having any kind of like expectations, let alone lofty ones. So, you know, it's it's something to get excited about. Fingers crossed. Hope for the best. Right. And of course, we'll talk about him as we learn more and as the NBA season gets closer. The NBA draft is, I believe, next week. So, yeah, we'll dig more into that over the next couple of episodes. But coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk about Washington football team and their 2021 training camp. Which I will be attending next week. <laughs> it's Eddie and Mike, the podcast. Be back in a sec. That's right. <laughs>
Welcome back to Eddie and Mike, y'all. And we want to talk a little Washington football training camp. They're starting next week in Richmond. Um, team seems healthy. I don't think there's anybody not expected to practice outside of the folks that we know about. I think that's Landon Collins and Cal Allen. So, yeah, they'll still be on the PUP, I think. Uh, speaking of that, semi-breaking news. Saquon Barkley is open in Giants training account on the PUP list. And I believe Condavius Kandav- Tony. forgot how to say that man's first name. I think it's Kadarius. Kadarius, I think so, too. Kid from Florida, right? Uh, right. Um, yeah, fortunately, he's on the COVID list. So, yeah, the Giants um, training camp starting off pretty interesting. But as far as Washington goes, I'm excited. Like I said in the previous segment, I'll be down there um, next Thursday. So, if you see me, holler at your boy. If you got something Eddie and Mike related, I might dap you up. That's about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can't give you nothing. You go, <laughs> but it should be interesting. And um, I'm thinking for this segment, we'll talk about some concerns heading into training camp. Um, is it something that you're concerned about, sir? I would say my concerns are pretty basic and simplistic. Number one, health. Number two. I kind of don't want us to get too ahead of ourselves, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid and all, because there's a lot of publications and media talking heads, et cetera, that because of what we did last year and the continuity and the, the kind of that, that whole thing we, we did going on that run and doing it together with a lot of our draft picks and such, I, I'm worried people are going to kind of, you know, that we're going to kind of take things for granted and might expect to like just show up and get the win. Uh, I don't think that'll happen with guys like, you know, a young guy like Chase Young, who's already establishing himself as a leader in his second year. I think with guys like him, especially Ron Rivera, you know, we talked over and over again about adults running the show and that kind of thing. I don't think they'll let that happen. But man, it's just, it's really hard as a Washington football team, formerly the Redskins, to, uh, to not have that in the back of your mind, you know, like everything seems like it's going great. I just hope it keeps going great. Basic, but is what it is. Right. And like you said, as fans, we've been toasted in the past 20, 30 years. So, yeah, I I don't blame anyone for being cautious. Um, Just like I don't blame anyone for being cautious about Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I'm not really too concerned about him hitting to the training camp. That's more later in the season when you start to worry about him. But as far as training camp goes, I would say outside of health, the only thing that I'm concerned about is, you know, I don't know. Just I hope everybody continues to buy in. Like you said, it would be nice if they don't get big hitted, but if they feel a little cocky and they're able to back it up, I'm like, shoot, do you. But I can't wait to see how the defense forms, how the defense functions. Um, yeah, I don't have many concerns heading into the training camp, and that's rare for a Washington football team. But here we are. I guess that's what happens when, like you said earlier, you put adults in charge, you put – somebody in place that actually knows what they're doing 
tying it back to the previous segment with the Wizards, um, I kind of expect or hope the same thing happens where you put a basketball head in place that actually know what they're doing and you just no no involvement from ownership and you just get the job done. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl or win these games, but I expect Washington to have a good season. That's why I'm not too concerned about much hitting into the training camp outside of injuries. And I think that's what we've really been salivating for. Don't get me wrong. Nobody wants to lose, but it's kind of the way we, we used to lose where it didn't seem like everybody was buying in. You know, some games people would play hard. The minute things got tough, people tend to fold like lawn chairs. Um, I'm thinking about this actually as we're talking concerns and they're minuscule and I don't want to like speak them into existence, but you know, part of our Achilles heel was our linebackers. So I'm wondering how much pressure is going to be on John Davis, Cole Holcomb and John Bostic, just to name a few. I, I realize it's not just those three at linebacker. There's more, uh, but the whole unit, the whole linebacking unit, a uh, lot of pressure and, and expectation for them to kind of step up. And then on offense, you know, I got to – I just as you were talking, I got to thinking about this because it's exciting thinking about Antonio Gibson and they're talking about putting him out wide some. And now we got Curtis, Curtis – <laughs> Curtis. We got Curtis Samuels who definitely played all around for the Panthers. I hope we don't get too cute trying to do like trick plays and trying to do all this other stuff. Uh-huh. Don't be wrong. I like, I like the trick plays. I like the gimmicks. Wildcats, whatever. I just hope we don't get too carried away trying to, you know, almost like maybe trying to be like the Rams from back in the day, the greatest show on turf and whatever. All I want us to do is get out there and just play tough football. Of course, I want to win. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as long as we're playing tough and whistle to whistle, you know, finish or uh, start to finish, I'll be happy. I mean, I'd be happier if we won, but we're not going to win every game. All right. It's wild how things kind of came full circle when it comes to the Turner family. You had North Turner, the way, for those who remember, the way he left was just, oh, crushing, considering what was going on at the time. Really feel like if Dan Snyder never came, we probably would have won a Super Bowl in 2000 or 2001, maybe. Um, it was, they had something going. Like, they were building something here, and it just yeah. collapsed. And then you saw North go to San Diego and just go ham before Schottenheimer got there. People forget that North was running that Chargers team before Schottenheimer, and they were mm-hmm. winning. Um, but anyway, bringing it to, to, to his son, Scott Turner, I I hear what you're saying about the gadget offense, but looking at him last year, the boy is his father's son. <laughs> like, I, it's not conservative with the offense, but you'll it's consistent. Like even with the tra- even with the trash that he had at quarterback, you can see the ball moving better some at times than it did. Um, when we had Gruden, who was this offensive mega man that had Kirk, RG, um, you name it, he had it. So I'm ex- I'm excited about the offense. I don't 
I don't think it's going to be like top 10 or anything, but compared to last year, it's going to look like the, like it's had the 2000 Rams. Yeah. I don't, I don't expect them to be quite on that level, but I know that Scott Turner has to be excited because all of his quarterbacks could probably defend themselves against their girlfriend or their mistress <laughs> to attack them. So he's got Shut that. Up, yeah. He's got that going for him. So that, I mean, right away, we're already starting off on a good note. It's his second year. You got to figure now he's more familiar with that personnel. So there's definitely things to be excited about. I just, I worry that we might get carried away trying to be overly fancy. And I don't want to say impressing people because I, you know, I don't know who exactly they're trying to impress, but I, I just want us to go out there and play ball, man. Just, you know what I mean? Go out there and just, just ball. You know, like trick play here and there, fine. But let's not get carried away, all right? Thinking back to Rivera when he was at the Panthers, I th- those teams were consistent year in and year out. Yep. Like people who try to trash his record. I'm like, dude got a 15 and one or was it 14 and two? One of those records. He has that on his resume. He has other good seasons on his resume. He went to the playoffs twice with a seven and nine record. So, like, dude gets it. Like, he understands the objective and as far as winning games. Might not be the best coach, but he wins games. And, yeah, it's, I'm just, like you said, I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to see it all. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm ready to see it all. <sighs> what I'm yeah. Huh? Yeah, my bad. My bad. Good. No, what I'm not ready to see though is all the fallout from this vaccination stuff. It's crazy, man. It, it like I understand it, but I mean, you you got some people agreeing with it. Like I saw mm-hmm. Steph Diggs tweeted uh, accountability availability, and what you got to remember is we all have opinions and everything, but sometimes when you got a job. You got to compromise just a little bit, you know, because you're trying to bring home that money, take care of your family. Mm-hmm. And guys like this, for some of them especially, if you're if you're practice team guy or you're third string, even second string, sometimes these opportunities are few and far between. So you got to, you know, you're going to have to fall in line no matter how you feel about it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the NFL is instituting a policy where if a team has a COVID outbreak – and they, they worded this very carefully, which makes this a really, like, it's just a really complicated thing, lots of layers. But they said if a team has a COVID outbreak among, like, amongst players who are not vaccinated, they can't reschedule the game and that it would end up being a loss to the team with the outbreak. And it would have that little part was playoff in scheduling and whatever. I didn't know that part was in there about the players um, not being vaccinated and a breakout happening. Yeah, which then makes you wonder, like, what if a team has everybody on their team vaccinated and an outbreak still occurs and they can't play? You know what I mean? Because that, that was another tweet uh, instantly put out there once this information that I just said was put out there. Jalen Ramsey said, look, I'm not going to be mad at somebody if they don't want to get the vaccine, but I know people who have gotten the vaccine, but they're COVID positive. So it's a really complicated one, and uh, I'm trying to look up to see who else because apparently it's not just him. But this caused DeAndre Hopkins to put out 
you know, some, some thoughts about whether or not he wants to keep playing or not. Uh, now he deleted the post. I believe it was a tweet. Uh, he deleted it. But, I mean, you know, you, you can't put it back in the box, really. It's out there. So if that's how he feels about it, I, he can't be the only one. And as much as I understand the brand is the brand, you know, the show goes on, if, if it's anybody else on Hopkins' level and they're thinking about not playing as well, it's going to hurt the brand and it's going to be hard for the show to march on. So, I mean, we're, we're entering some, uh, God, I hate myself for saying stuff like this. We're entering some uncharted territory. I know hey, that's the time of it. Hey, that's the time it is. We I just hate stuff like that, Mike. I just, I hate when people say stuff like that. It's kind of like, and I'm not going to get into personal reason or whatever, but it's like when I hear people say at the end of the day, like, I just don't like that saying either. <laughs> so we're going to move on. But yeah, uncharted territory. I hate myself for saying it. But I mean, it's true though, because we don't. None of us never been through this before. We never been through an outbreak, a worldwide outbreak, and with a virus. Yeah. Now there's the Delta variant starting to go around, which right. doesn't make anything any easier. And what's crazy is they kind of like at least what I saw on the NFL Network is they kind of just like tweeted this out. And there wasn't really a lot more context. You know, like I said, what if, what if a team has everybody vaccinated and this happens? They didn't give some of those, like, uh, you know, hypotheticals, uh, scenarios and, what, and how they would react and what they would do. They just kind of put this out there. Players are reacting. I, maybe this was like a feeler type thing. Maybe they're like, hey, we're going to put this out there, and then let's see how the players react, and then we'll go from there, which is really a terrible way to go about your business, but I, you know how I am. I like to throw things out there randomly. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody just uh, posted a picture of a confused person's face um, saying everybody in heaven seeing Kobe before Magic Johnson. Bro. If that won't leave Magic Johnson alone, man, like, is what did, what did he, who, who did Magic Johnson hurt? I thought most of these cats out here were Lakers fans. Like, you should see the picture, bro. Like, it's the, the picture is like, what the? Like, as, that is wild, man. But anyway, the, the vaccine is a mess. Like, it's, it's just a mess. Yep. It's, it's become political. Um, even though both parties are now starting to push the vaccine. So now it's like people are now anti-government and you got the, the, the concerns with the trial, lack of trials. And I'll just say this. If you're not, if you're healthy with no health concerns, I feel like it's logical to just get the um, to get the vaccine to get vaccinated. If you have health concerns, if you're trying to get pregnant, if um, if you had allergic reactions before to vaccinations, of course you should be cautious. But being cautious because you think the government is trying to implant a microchip inside of you. Why you sitting there with your Android or iPhone in your pocket, thinking that they're trying to 
kill black people with the vaccination when percentages show that um, other races are getting the vaccine at a much higher rate than African-Americans. Like, just cut the crap. Like, either get it or don't. But don't, this, this conspiracy stuff, bro, like, come on now. Grow up. It's wild. It, it really is. And, and I think the thing that gets lost in all of this is that, um, and, and they, I, I'm pretty sure this information has been put out there, but they say that people without health concerns, it can still affect you, but this is more for those people with health concerns because you could be a silent carrier, things of that nature. You could have it and only have, you know, it, it varies the way people deal with it, but you could get COVID and, you know, it not really affect you, you know, you just kind of the same way you would with the flu or anything else and you're out for a day or two. But mm -hmm. you now still have that in your system and you could pass it on to people in your family, your neighborhood, your community, and not all of those people, whether it's their age or just the fact that they have some sort of pre-existing condition and this affects them. And that's just the whole point. Um, but I, I really don't want to turn it political. I understand all of the reasoning people have for not wanting to get it. And, and I'm not here to tell you to get it or not to get it. I'm, I, I, I can't do that, and I won't do that. I just think that people need to be reasonable, especially in regards to what you're saying about this microchip nonsense. <laughs> it's like you said, well, you hold your phone, because for every damn app, it, it's either facial recognition or some kind of password, right? And a lot of those require some form of information. What street did you live on? Uh, in some cases, if you're using a bank app, you have all of your banking information there. If you have any form of the Google Pay, Apple Pay, whatever, all of your information is there and you can be tracked everywhere you purchase. But we're worried about a chip and a vaccine that's trying to save people. <laughs>